welcome to The Atypical Leader with Rick Brennan, where we talk about harnessing what makes you unique and maybe even a little odd, while at the same time dismantling the notion that you have to be a certain type of person or act a certain way to be an effective leader. Definitely a leader, not a follower. I like the sound of this. It's time for us atypical leaders to come out of the shadows and learn to be proud and confident in what makes us different. I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of who I am. Atypical leader starts now. So good morning, Judy. Good morning, Rick. How are you today? I'm very good. You know where I am today? No, I don't. I'm in Fredericton, New Brunswick, the capital of New Brunswick. Wow. Have you, you ever know, been I've here? Never been out. No, never been out there. Never Farthest, been out here. I've been, I've been to, to Halifax. Yeah. Who, who's I've that? Who's Halifax. that? Do we hear? Who, we have a guest? I, I don't know. I don't know. Do we have someone sitting beside you there, Rick? We do. God Almighty. We, the guy that if, if everyone listens to this podcast on a regular basis, they've heard this name. The one, the only, <laughs> the only. Dan, <laughs> the man, White. Woo! Hello, Look hello, Dan. How are you? Good morning, folks. Nice to be here with you. Nice to finally meet you. I've heard so much about you. I've read so much about you in the book. And of course, as Rick said, your name comes up so many times on the podcast. Yeah, only believe half of what he tells you. Oh, I do. Believe well, me. yeah, that do. goes I that do. goes without say. So, Judy, what are we talking about today? We are talking about how the hell did this turn into that? Meaning moi? Meaning you, yes. Wow. How did you turn from being a rough and gruff, inappropriate, ragtag, stubborn party animal into a successful executive? Oh, my God. I like He had a lot of help along the way. Well, Danny and I, for those who don't know, maybe our first-time listeners, have worked together for many, many years. We started off with uh, Shoppers Drug Mart, uh, and then uh, Danny would come later over to McKesson, where we worked together for years. He's been a big part of my career and personal life, actually. He's the guy who taught me how to drink. Before that, I never oh. drank. Never drank. Oh, oh really? Oh, really? Boys, really? Oh, boys, I'd have to disagree with that one, Judy. I think he <laughs> learned that part long before I met him. I know, I know. But it sounds like you guys had your moments that you uh, really partied a lot, huh? Well, we may have. What do you think, Dan? Well, we partied a lot. Oh, we okay. partied, got along. And then mm-hmm. that rolled into our work experiences where we trusted each other. Because we knew that we wanted to go out and party again, so right. you wouldn't, you know, ruin your relationship at work because you'd miss out on the party. We like to have fun. Now, Danny has lost a few pints of blood over the years, though. So. Yeah. Now it, oh, was, really? it was harmless and all in fun, but I have to share a story. I have to share a story because. When we were at Shoppers, we, you know, every once in a while we'd have these team building exercises, and one of those was to go out in this boat called the White Heather. It was a tall ship, sailing ship. And oh, okay. we went out, and it was a full meal deal, all the food and booze you could drink. And and we went on that, had a great time. And after that, there was a reception at the hotel. Danny and I, and Johnny Mack was with us at the time. We got the, you know, play fighting, just kind of wrestling around. We were young at the time and wrestling around. And, Boys. You know, he'd push me, and I'd push <laughs> him, and I got him in a headlock. And uh-huh. I didn't realize that the wall of the hotel room or the hotel hallway was made of stucco. So oh, I had nice. Danny in this headlock, <laughs> and I ran his face down the wall. Well, 
half his face oh stayed God, behind. Rick. Oh my God. And I, you guys still stay He smiles all the time. This whole parting that Danny and I did wasn't just exclusive to us. I mean, it was a big part of how we did right. bond, like Danny says. And, and just, you know, we should tell two stories. I'll tell the story, but we're, we were out partying one night. I think we were at the, the country Why bar. Why do I get the feeling that every story you're going to tell me starts that way? Well, because they do. Yes, they do. Because they do. They do. I mean, we're out partying. We had a great time, and we're coming back. There's like eight of us in the cab, and Brad and I get uh, messing around, like wrestling a little bit, and he friggin' reached back, and he scrapes me in the face with his nail. So not happy about that, but at the end of the night, I go up to bed, and I pass out, and I get up in the morning, I look in the mirror, and oh, my God. I see the scrape in my face, and I am pissed. Jesus Christ, I got to meet. I'm late for the meeting to start with. I got to go down. There's a scrape in my face. So I put my glasses on to examine the scrape, and I I can't see out of one eye. And I said, the bastard poked me in the eye, too. Then I realized that I was missing the lens in my glasses. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I trucked down to the meeting, and I opened the meeting door, <laughs> the door to the meeting room, and every, the meeting's going on, everybody takes a look at me with no glasses on. I can't remember if I had glasses on or one lens in my glass, scraped down my face, and I got to tell you, the place just erupted in laughter, but oh well. Okay, okay, boys. Okay, let's get back okay. to the subject okay. again. I heard everything that you did was a secret. Um, as a matter of fact, I believe you were black ops it sounds like a spy novel for god's dun, sake dun, 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 interestingly dun. it was one of our big bosses that gave me that name he was the president of the company at the time nick lapacaro great guy wonderful guy he kind of understood rick and after i got to meet him a bit he understood me as everything was a secret but we realized that if we told everybody everything we were doing We'd get stopped along the way. People would be wanting us to write reports or do analytics on everything. Or have a goddamn steering committee. Yeah, and we'd never get anything done. So Nick said, let's just keep it a secret. Well, Rick was the first one. I think he told Nick how we were going to do this. And Rick's model was people are on a need-to-know basis. Exactly, yeah. In your job... They don't need to know. So we just won't <laughs> tell anybody. But it wasn't it wasn't an evil thing that we weren't no. telling anybody. It was just a simple no, fact. No. If you did, then everybody gets involved and nothing gets done because everybody's got an right. opinion. So we kept right. it to ourselves We and we drove the agenda forward. And at the end of the day, right. this really mattered, right? We got yep. shit done. Our agenda was we wanted to do things for our customers that no one else was doing. Okay. But if we told them what we were going to do, again, we'd get slowed down. Yeah. So we just charged ahead. When I first met Rick, he was tagging along with another buddy, Johnny Mack. They managed different stores. And I got to know John. I thought, boy, John's a caper, pretty good guy. And he's always got mm-hmm. this Rick Brennan guy dragging along behind him. A ragtag muffin. <laughs> muffin? <laughs> a muffin? She's married to the muffin man. If Johnny <laughs> likes something, there must be something in there that I don't right. see. And right. if John likes some, I'll try. But I'll tell you, Ricky made it pretty tough. 
Oh, I can imagine. He's uh-huh. got uh, he's got a certain kind of charm about him, doesn't he? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know whether it's good or bad sometimes. Back in those days, we didn't know what atypicals or neurodiversity was. Like right. We just knew Rick was different. Different in a lot of ways. and uh, mm-hmm. Complicated. A delicate flower. <laughs> uh, well, flower. yeah, no, none of that. No, I have a question, so I can understand this, and our listeners maybe too. Rick, you seem to disobey everybody a lot through your career. Um, you say, you know, my boss said I, I wasn't to go. You go anyway. Your bosses say not to do this, right. whatever. Do this, do that. How did you manage not to get fired? Well, you know, I I could almost argue, and Danny could corroborate, that I spent a lot of time getting in trouble and getting out of trouble. And it almost became a skill. And don't get me, I'm never never throwing mud in the face of the boss as much as I can. But at the end of the day, I knew that my performance would be the basis for promotions, success, credibility. And I knew that by going to the boss and asking for permission for everything would be like tying an anchor to me and throwing me off the wharf. So I simply did not allow that to happen. I know. I understand all that. It just seems like you you always did that. Like, really, how did you not get fired? I mean, you know, another boss would have just said, well, I told you not to go. You're done. You're fired. Well, Dan, maybe you can answer that. I don't know. Well, I think a lot of it, Judy, was uh, performance. If you're going to bend the rules, you mm-hmm. better do something good on the other side, bending those rules. And okay. Rick, while Rick had his challenges, he was good at finding how, how to get things done, how okay. to make improvements, how to take his stores to a whole new level that people had never seen before. When the bosses would come in and do their visits around the region, guess mm-hmm. whose stores would look the best? Okay, Rick's, obviously. And I think, too, I mean, I was good at bending the rules right to the breaking point, but not breaking them. But, but you have you to, know. I mean, if you want to be a leader. I mean, what's okay. the definition of a leader? It's doing what everybody else tells you? I don't think so. Well, that takes you down the garden path. So at some point, you have to have the confidence in yourself to go for it. Don't be stupid, okay. but be confident and do what you know is going to work. And the other part, okay. Judy, it wasn't just me and Rick. We had Johnny Mack, right. Lenny Burr, Dell Thorne. There was a whole group of us middle managers back in those days, and we were all bending the rules. But I think but you bring up a good point. Because we had that core group of people, we were a strong mm-hmm. team. So when Rick would break the rule, John and Danny and Lenny and Dell would say, you know, what the hell? Rick did the right thing. And that kind of would bring everybody down, you know, and make everybody kind of back off a little bit. And the other side was that the boss, because as we're performing as a team, the Atlantic Mm -hmm. region was by far the most successful region, you know, per capita in the country. We looked the best. Our profit percentages were the best. The bosses were looking good. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So it was kind of tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. We're doing our own thing and maybe breaking some rules, but the bosses, trust me, they were taking all the all the, the applause. They weren't saying, oh, it's yeah. not me. So yeah. I left Shoppers, and I took on some other jobs, and I didn't work for Rick for over 10 years. Oh, okay. I'd you see him the break. odd time. We'd be at golf tournaments and that. But, and then, lo and behold, 
after Rick had left shoppers, he got the new job running the Atlantic for Metis back in those days, McKesson now. Mm -hmm. Rick was there for a while, and Rick was trying to do his thing, take an old business that did things the same way forever, change it. And it took him a while. He had to develop a whole new team, and uh, I wasn't part of that, but I was kind of on the outside looking in, and I was coming to a point in my career that I was kind of winding down and coming to the end of my a job I was working in, and Ricky calls me. Oh, yeah? Yeah, got a little job for you, a six-month contract. After a lot of debate and soul-searching, I did take it. Mm-hmm. Six Went to the doctor, out. checked your liver out, make yeah. see if you're up for it. <laughs> Six months turned into 13 years. Oh, if I'd only known. Oh if God. I'd only oh. known, Jesus. You know, that's kind of how I feel down right now. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. She's still getting used he, to Ricky. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He somehow charmed me into this podcast thing. Yep. And uh, here I am, and I have a feeling it's going to be a bit of a long one. Okay, Dan, let's get back to the subject at hand. Uh, you've worked with Rick for a very long time now, a lot, lot of years. Um, how did you see him evolve over those years? And as our title is, how did this become that? Yeah, Ricky. Him? <laughs> well, Judy, here's a, a good example of how Rick's atypical mind works. Okay. After I got working with him, we did a lot of analysis I sent Rick a report. I thought, you know, new boss, he'll want to know what I'm doing and what my ideas are and how they mesh with his. Rick calls me up. He says, uh, no more reports. I said, holy shit, I'm fired already. <laughs> no, 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 you're not fired. I just don't want any written reports. Well, now we know he just wanted me to put all my energy into getting the job done. Like, wow. Don't waste your time. Because yeah. if you write it, then somebody else will see it, and they'll know what we're mm-hmm. so, But I'm even the happy. time you spend writing it, Judy, we talked about this on another podcast with you, how you used to spend all kinds of time writing reports, making sure those reports are perfect, and the time that you waste is time that you don't mm-hmm. have to do something else. Right, exactly. And yeah. the way my brain works, I don't need that written report. I need to know that the ball is moving forward, that people are happy and people are satisfied. And I can walk around the office and see that. I can talk to our customers and see that. I can look at the stats and see that. I don't need someone else to write me a report to tell me things I can see for myself. Right, right. And after being away from Rick and coming back into the work full with them, I could see Rick was developing a lot of those early skills that he needed to fine-tune a little bit. Mm-hmm. He was getting better at listening. And it wasn't just what Rick wanted to do. You know, he was taking the skills from other people and putting them into. But I think plan. that really, to be fair, had a lot to do with, with the team. You know what? It's all about trust. trust. If you're surrounded yeah. by people that you trust, to be a Danny or John or Winnie or Kathy, it's a long list of people. And they say, Rick, you need to listen more. You need to go. You need to go down. Go down and walk through customer service. Go down and walk right. through the warehouse and all those sort of stuff. And you trust those people's advice. My time was more valuable doing that. And I would learn exactly. from that because my brain could absorb that sort of, you know, I yeah. get lost halfway through the report. 
I remember a story about Rick Winode in the warehouse walking around talking to people. They had never seen the big boss do that in all the years before that. And here really? comes this guy that looks like he might not even be the janitor wandering around in a daze. And he's out there talking to him. They're like, geez, this is different. What's he mm-hmm. want? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, But after you do that enough, that becomes norm. Yep. Then their guard comes down. Then mm-hmm. you really get to hear the truth. Yep. Right, exactly. You know? you and with the truth, you can do a lot. Because then it just gets into right. organization. If this is wrong, how do we fix it? Over time, sitting through the union meetings and all these sorts of things, uh, you know, they would start to gain. And frankly, going to the, the different events we'd have, we started to do things where we'd celebrate sort of the anniversary of different employees in the union. We tell stories about them and oh my God, they love that. Oh yeah. And that changed the relationship to where our union contract took like a week to get done. Christ, Newfoundland took three hours, I think. Yeah, my God. I remember early on, I got invited to a Christmas party. So we decided I'd roast Rick in front of all of his new staff. And like I had a lot of ammunition from over the years. Mm-hmm. They loved it because, you know, you're bringing him back down to a different level. Like, right. here's a guy that puts his pants on the same as they did. You, know, you, you humanized him is what you did, you, you know. We get a way of simplifying things, too, that helped a lot. Uh, don't make it complicated. Right. Bring it down to the bare bones. People knew what their jobs were. Rick was very clear on that, making sure people knew their roles and just go do it. Don't get to, right. don't get wrapped up in other stuff. Do your job. But that is really the essence of all of this. You know, I didn't sit there and say, oh, my great strategy, I'm going to simplify this for everybody, is that I, because I'm A and A typical and because I have the challenges that I have, I needed things to be simple. Just goes to why I didn't want a written report. And guess what? No one else wants it complicated either. Everybody else wants it simple and simple. But in the modern business world, man, we complicate things. And bringing it down to bare, bare bones where everybody can walk out of the room and say, I know exactly what needs to be done. And I know exactly what the person beside me, what they're going to do. Accountability becomes easy. The whole process becomes easy. And there it becomes the beginning of high-performance teams. I remember, uh, Rick will remember this, first meeting, he was the big boss up in Toronto, brought all his team into the boardroom. Rick makes his opening comments, and he tells them, like, your your job is your first job. you got to do that before you get involved in anything else. And he went on to tell them about how many emails he got a day, but he only read 10% of them. Mm-hmm. How many meetings to get it asked to go to, but would pick and choose and only go to one in a hundred meetings? Because if you go to all of those meetings and read all those emails, you never get your job done. Right. Yeah. And everybody was sitting around the room and they had a little bit of look of. Yeah, they, had, they were turning white, <laughs> white and green. <laughs> what do you mean? So at the coffee break or lunchtime, I forget what it was. I went to Rick and I said, Rick, 
That was a great story you told this morning. Only problem was they didn't believe it. I said, they weren't buying in. So really? after lunch, in Rick's way of doing things, he goes back in and he starts a meeting off the same as he'd done that morning with the exact same story. Well, and saying, I, I hear you think I'm full of shit. Yep. <laughs> oh, really? Sure. Yep. Oh and and but you know, there's a couple points there that I address the issues that need to be addressed, but that I had people like Danny that I trusted who would come mm-hmm. to me and say, "Rick, nice speech, didn't work." Right. I listened. I went back in and said, "Okay, we need to talk about this because I can tell you, I wouldn't burn Danny in the process. I can tell mm-hmm. you guys don't believe what I tell you." And then we'd have a longer conversation. Right, and go through everything. And go through everything, and now listen. Step by step. That probably wasn't the last conversation we had on a subject like that, because you have habits to break, and we have habits to break. It takes a few conversations. But in the end, it worked great, and everybody had the time. And what we accomplished was, uh, in large part, due to people had time to get stuff done. Right. And his team from that day were pretty well the same team that he ended up with at the end of it. So it showed that, once he was truthful and told them exactly what he was looking for, they mm-hmm. were like, whoa, this is new. This is not right. how we've worked in the past because everybody right. had a whole lot of agendas and Rick didn't allow other agendas. But it really shows you how your so-called limitations, as we say, really gave you the path to go down by having to simplify, 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 so that you could understand it. And in turn, it became a very successful way for you to run your team. When I moved into the executive ranks, Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody around me is like, came from the top of their class, has lots Mm -hmm. of degrees, and are very, very smart people. And they became successful based on self-reliance, relying on their own abilities. Right. Relying on their own smarts, seeing value in analysis and steering mm-hmm. committees. But I saw it a totally different way. I didn't want right. any of that. And my skills, I believe, line up with your general population of employees better than that IQ or that analysis paralysis kind of way of right. doing things, you know? Right. And, you know, and because I've tried and failed mm-hmm. so many times, I've made my mistakes. My humility grows. And when you're on the other side and you don't fail as much, you never get, you never grow that sense of humility. And maybe you don't listen as much and so on and so forth. And it's just yeah. two different people, two different groups of people evolving a different way. What I'd hazard to say that the atypical brain is better suited for leadership because you know people, you understand people, your, your ego's not holding you back and all those type of things. Exactly. I was, exactly. I was yeah, always surprised, is- Judy, after he got the big job that. Rick was going to be able to go into those boardrooms and be successful. We watched him be successful. Okay. So, Danny, working with Rick over the years, what would be the three things that you could point out that took Rick from being that uh, rough and gruff uh, ragtag person into the successful executive that he turned into? A lot of luck. (laughs) No, I'd agree. I'd agree. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Great friends at a lot of levels, Mm -hmm. and you see that in the book. Rick talks about a lot of the guys that he worked with at store level. You're seeing them now on his Facebook page, standing holding Rick's book and saying, 
Rick was the one that helped me in my get my career going. Right. So right. he helped a lot of people. And mm-hmm. I can assure you a lot of people helped Rick along the way. And okay. willingly, we were willing associates. And as he moved up the corporate ladder, Rick was able to develop friendships with a lot of the senior executives that most people would never have thought Rick could forge. Rick, in his own little charming way, was able to form a relationship with those people, the Nicks, the Paulas, the Elens, the very important people, because they believed in what we could do. And I think, Judy, it all goes back to Rick, where we started, the core values that he developed as a child through his parents that he carried on with him through his work life and adult life, that Rick always went back to those, like your friendships, you know, loyalty, trust were the big ones. And that still stands today. The only place you can't trust him is on the golf course. Uh, uh, Thank God I don't golf. What me? But I think if I could if I could add one note too, I think it's that I grew into my inabilities, if you want to call them that. I I found a ton of people who could help me. I learned to simplify. I just just learned to do those things that I could do. And abandon those things that were just too complex for my brain to handle. Well, as we said earlier, just those so-called limitations just gave you a path that no one else took, could take because they were yours and you learned to use them. Right. And that's what we got to do on this podcast is show all those other atypicals out there to harness your skills, take confidence in those and just go for it. Thanks for joining us today and listening to another episode of The Atypical Leader. If you haven't already done so, Like, share, and follow me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. By liking and sharing, you will help other atypicals find all of us. So we can all start to leverage the stories, strategies, and strengths of what make us all unique. Keep listening and remember, take charge and push away those self-doubts. Leverage what we're talking about. Be confident in who you are and proud of what makes you unique. So join me, Rick Brennan, and my co-host, Judy Sims, on the next episode of The Atypical Leader. To learn more about us, leadership, and neurodiversity, please go to our website, atypicalleader.com. Mm-hmm.